This week on Erotic Awakening, HodgePodge 7, Vetting and Worldwide. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. The Erotic Awakening podcast, as well as workshops by Danny Dawn, are offered free of charge to our community. Because of the expenses involved, we're grateful to those that support us through Patreon and donations. Wonderful people like Kathy. Fabulous people like Emerald Ash. Awesome people like Elizabeth. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Hi, Dawn. That was almost like the um, thing where you fill the blanks in. Oh, it is almost with the, the, the Mad Libs. Mad Libs, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, but uh, no, I... I I really, I really want our Patreon um, supporters to know that we absolutely appreciate you. So, you know, donations, Patreon supporters, people that buy our products, you know, the whole gamut. So, hell, the email that says you changed my life or this thing really spoke to me or I had someone write recently that said this specific tool. And then she mentioned how she uses that tool, which is different than how you and I use that tool. Mm -hmm. But it was still profound to her. I mean, all that stuff still keeps us going. Which is awesome mm-hmm. and unfortunate. Unfortunate. Because of the topics that we have tonight, which oh, I haven't no. told you what it is yet. No, you have not. You like to do that. No. Today, um, <laughs> I said that it's going to be kind of a hodgepodge, but the reality is you and I, we have a list of topics that we just have looked at 20 times and said, no, nah, I'm not feeling that one. Either not feeling it or it's not enough to make a complete show or, or something or we're unskilled at it mm-hmm. so i'm going to go through that list and we're going to see do we have anything to talk about okay if so great cool if it feels like whoa we need to get an interview for that cool. yeah we'll yeah that or maybe we have one or two sentences about it and then we move on okay because i hate having them on the list for so long because i'm always out there asking people for topics so let me just throw that out there if you guys do have topics remember dan and i've been doing this for 12 years sometimes it's hard to think of new things absolutely (laughs) and sometimes our memory is so bad we repeat topics and don't even realize it well i just did that on fet i think i just wrote a whole thing on fet (laughs) and i went to describe something a certain way and i'm like oh that's familiar I think I've written about this before. <laughs> and uh, are we talking about that on the podcast? Um, we can. I think we have talked about it on the podcast before. Not this time. Not this time. So do you... you... We'll get there. Okay. So right. if, if we but get time to kill, we can bring it up. First on, I need to ask you this question. Yes, sir. Why is there such stigma around... And these all these topics come from listeners. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, why is there such a stigma around women who choose to move on the right side of the slash to be a powerhouses? So, and we did that, talk a little bit about this. We may have mentioned it a little bit, so, but I don't think we really went into it. So, basically, let me translate that question. Why? Why is there? Read it to me one more time. Why is there such stigma around women who choose to move on the right side of the slash? Uh, the right slide is still lowercase and be powerhouses. Right. So um, translating that, because I know who wrote that in, um, it can be worded in two different ways. So there seems to be a stigma for lowercase letter powerhouses. Okay. And the person uh, like me, I consider myself a power slave, right? So um, that there can be a stigma around that, Mm -hmm. right? Um, the person also wrote the question of 
why are we seeing so many lowercase letter followers, right? Why are we seeing so many followers that are mentioning that they're powerhouses? And that and we did talk about that on a podcast not too long ago. Okay. And that their lowercase letter just wants to submit, mm-hmm. right? And if we did talk about that, because my memory, I don't know if we did or not, but um, I always like, I, I wanted to make sure to mention, in case I didn't then, that right now what you're seeing, if you're seeing lowercase letters on Zoom calls, mm-hmm. you're going to see the powerhouses, right? Because if we were... I hate to use the word just submitting, right? Or just being submissive. We wouldn't be leading Zoom conversations. So right now it's going to be leaning towards what's visible is the powerhouse followers, right? Because we're getting the workshops Mm -hmm. done. We're getting the stuff. We're the ones that are visible. You're going to see everybody else on the spectrum when we start meeting in person again. More visible. More visible. Right. Yes. They're gonna okay. be so everybody else on the spectrum is gonna be more visible. So um actually a lot of followers that I hang out with I consider powerhouses. So which means we get things done. But that's because I'm a am I a producer? I have been a producer. I have mm-hmm. been a director. I have been a you know these things. So those are the people that I meet. But um It's almost like, and I actually mentioned this on one of my submissive roundtables, that I consider myself a power slave or something Mm -hmm. like that. And um, this question came in right after that, so I don't know if their lowercase letter was on my call or not. (laughs) So a couple episodes back, we we discussed this in depth. The only thing I'll add to this is that whatever, if you are a powerful, powerhouse submissive, or a very submissive and meek submissive, and, yeah. or whatever in the middle, it's fine. Oh yeah, it's do all you. good. You do you. So yep, you do you. It's all, right. all good. So you can ask. Me I, I wish there wasn't stigmas around either way because we are what we are, and it's working for us. Yep. Okay. So um, which one am I asking you? Uh, the this bold one. one. Yep. The bold one. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, so. Tell us a little bit about, because you do have experience with this, Mm -hmm. um, non-sexual poly. So we have people with questions about non-sexual poly. What is it? And I've been asked before, what makes it different than a good friendship? So as you've mentioned, we've had a couple relationships that have been Mm -hmm. non-sexual that we consider relationships and, and polyamorous relationships. And certainly asexual people can be polyamorous. And they are polyamorous. We see that in our community. We see people in polyamorous triads and quads where one or more members are asexual. Sex is not poly. Poly is not sex. And if you are on Facebook groups, polyamory groups, you might find that confusing because those lean towards... Um, wanting to be talk about sexual relationships. And that's not, of course, true for all poly groups. I'm only on certain poly groups. A polyamorous relationship, just to make it easy, that does not involve sex that is still polyamorous, at least for me, for the way we do it, still has a level of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And that intimacy may not be because I am putting tab A into slot B, 
but that intimacy may be in a level of sharing, in trust, in vulnerability, in just having somebody who can sit with you quietly while you both read books or the three of you read books, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's really that simple. Um, sex in polyamory is great, but sometimes it is not appropriate. Sometimes it's not necessary. Sometimes it's not valuable. Sometimes it's just not the thing that is good for that relationship. Um, and it's perfectly fine. So there you go. Non-sexual polyamory. Well, and then I like to add a little bit to that as well, because I did have someone ask me, you know, we have a really good friendship. Um, why is that not considered poly? Right? They're like, what is the difference? And I'm like, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of like porn. You know it when you see it or you feel it. Mm -hmm. So like with this friend, I have a really good friendship with him. Right? But we don't go to the movies and hold hands. We don't, you know, talk about, like, the future of our relationship mm. or mm. things like that. You know, it's a friendship. We're there when we're there, but it's not necessarily, well, like you said, intimate. And, and there's just a different level. I could change the energy with that friend, and he would feel the difference between good friendship and poly. There's just a different energetic field to me that is hard to explain until you've experienced it. Although there are occasions where our friends, Kevin and Katie, and us will say something like, we're practicing <laughs> non-sexual polyamory. And that's what it feels like. That is true. Sometimes we are very deep with them. So, yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, Dawn. Yes? What kind of aftercare for people on the left side of the slash? So that's you. Yes. What so, kind of aftercare do you provide me? What kind of after? Whatever you want. Until I complain a little bit because what you want is different than what I want. Because <laughs> we have had this discussion way back when. Because okay. your my aftercare, I like to snuggle for a bit. I need to be grounded. I need to snuggle. I've been spacey. Um, if I'm left alone too early, I can crash a little bit. Especially early on, right? Um, when I was still getting used to the emotions of all of this and 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 the chemical. Um, the chemical ride. Whereas you, holy cow, you're like, I'm ready to go. What do you mean sit still and snuggle? But but I want to do this and I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, aftercare for you, for the most part, is to let you go play, right? So that you can use that energy that you've built up. Mm -hmm. So or at least that's what it feels like to me. Um, there's moments where that's not absolutely true. But that's been my experience with you for the most part. So you and I, when we play, we actually had to compromise. So, and you have a song that you would play. And when that song's over, I got to let you go. Right. <laughs> no, it is a 10-minute song. It is a 10-minute song. So, absolutely. Um, but what else do you need? What well, have I missed out on? Because we play at home, and when we've played at events at the space, it's usually to get the party started. I mean, we've had some intense scenes over the last couple of years. I'm going to say that the actual answer to this question is go talk to the left side of the slash person and find out. Because yeah, just like on the right side of the slash, everybody is different what they need for aftercare. Now, I would recommend that you make sure you negotiate that before you start to play. Mm -hmm. I know um, a dominant or two that has said, oh, I need a blowjob for aftercare. And... If that is well negotiated beforehand, that's fine. Don't spring it on them. 
and right. say, oh, by the way, now you owe me with a blowjob because that's my aftercare. But I think it's it's a very gracious move for a uh, follower to check in prior to starting to play with with that that top and say, well, what would you like for aftercare? What would be mm-hmm. good for you? Yeah, because if, if I haven't negotiated a dick in my face and that's what I get at the end of a scene, <laughs> consent violation. So... Cool. What else you got? Um, hmm. These are some big questions. Wonder why we haven't felt like. <laughs> um. Okay. So let's try this one. How often? Wait a minute. You can't skip. You what do you mean? I can't skip. Well, I well, I thought no, you were giving move. me a choice. No, no, that top one. Okay. So, oh, that's a good one. Dipping toes back into the dating app world. How soon do you tell someone you are Polly? <laughs> you know what? In, now, dating app world, which means we're doing this online, which means we're doing it via OkCupid or Tinder. Or, yeah, or the various hundred other dating apps. Yeah. Um, for me, it is in my base profile. If I am not using a poly-friendly or a poly-directed site, in my basic profile where I tell people about me, I mention that I am polyamorous. Mm-hmm. There's, I've heard a variety of conversations around this. Um, but the reality is, for a lot of people, that is a deal breaker. They're going to perceive it as the same as cheating and all kinds of interesting stigma around that. So let's not waste our time. Right off the bat, this is who I am. Yep, I totally agree. So I do the same thing. There's um, some guys that in their profile, they say they are looking for the one and then they'll reach out to me. So I need to make sure it's in the beginning of my profile so that I can say, sorry, you're looking for the one, but I'm one of many. Hmm. <laughs> so Nicely said. Yeah. All right. The, the next one I'm going to save for an actual topic. It is big enough for a topic. Okay. Yeah. I was looking at a couple of them that mm-hmm. look like they're big enough for a, for a topic. So Dawn. Yes. How do you keep from inflicting heartache in polyamory? Oh, that see, that could be a big one. That could be a big discussion as well, right? But um, if I was going to keep it short and sweet, basically what I'm going to do is just be as honest as I can be, be as open as I can be, because they're really, I can't control another person's emotions. All I can do is have my best intent of not causing harm, mm-hmm. right? Not causing heartache. If I were to break up with one of my partners right now, it could very well cause heartache. But that should not keep me from breaking up with them if that's the right thing to do for me. You know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I was going to break up with Big D, I would do it for me. For the most part, he has not done anything for me to get angry at (laughs) to break up with, right? So I would do it gently. Now, if someone's done something, if if he or someone else has done something, whatever, to where I don't feel grievous. like being gentle, grievous, yeah. that's a good word, then I don't have to be gentle, right? I can just say, no, done, end of sentence. And mm-hmm. that's going to cause heartache as well. But I can't walk on eggshells. That feels very problematic to me. Uh, the other thing I will add to uh, your sage advice is to be transparent. Yes. And that will give you the opportunity to, that will, 
even when sometimes when people have emotional connections, they lie to each other, they overlook certain red flags, or even if they're not red flags, certain things. Continue to be transparent is adding to what you said about being open. And, and the only thing I will add as well to that is you cannot avoid causing heartbreak in right. polyamory. These are romantic relationships. And your best intent is not going to prevent people from getting hurt sometimes. And that's okay. Right. Um, it doesn't mean just, don't do it, right? And it's nice when it can be a transition into something else. But um, even transitions can cause heartache. Yep. So. All right, Dan. Yes. How often does consent need to be renewed in your dynamic? Every task, every punishment, every scene, every day, week, month, or once it was given, it remains intact? Well, that certainly depends on the style of relationship. I will say for you and I, here's how it went. We talked for a while. We put things on paper. We made an agreement. And that, and then I don't have to ask about consent again for a while. Mm -hmm. And then things got rocky. And I started to perceive or question if this was really what you wanted. Mm -hmm. And I simply asked Again, mm -hmm. I re-engaged, re, uh, re renegotiated, not renegotiated, just re-emphasized, thank you, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that you had given me consent to do all these things. Mm -hmm. At that point, so me as a leader in these relationships, all I have to do is on occasion, perhaps, I will remind you that we are in a consensual relationship. The... If at any point, any point, even in the middle of a scene, in the middle of a task, you withdraw consent, we're back to square one. Consent's immediately revoked, and we begin the negotiation process again. Mm -hmm. Agreed. That's what I say. Agreed. So I don't know that I would want to be in a relationship. So I got two different answers here. Okay. I don't know that I would want to be in a full-time total power exchange 24-7 where you had to renegotiate or re-get consent for every task, every week, every month, you know, things like that. Now, at the beginning, we did go over a page of our contract or a section of our contract once a month, I think it was, mm -hmm. just to make sure everything was still feeling feeling good with that. Mm -hmm. So that was 20 years ago. We, we, we did that. We did due diligence with that. But at this point, if you had to ask me every time you gave me a, cat, a task, is that okay? Do I have your consent? Right. That kind of messes up the whole total power exchange thing that, that I crave. Now, I have someone that I play with sometimes, and what I like about playing with him is he does not assume that because I gave consent during one scene mm -hmm. that he has that same <clears throat> consent in a different scene, right? So one, I'm talking about mine and your relationship. Another, I'm talking about a play partner. Right. So, and one of the reasons I do like playing with him is because every time we play, he renegotiates consent with everything that we do. He doesn't make assumptions because of past, that's good. past agreements. So, yeah. So that's, that's how it works for us. I'm sure it works differently for other people. We have a bunch of other questions we're going to get to. Awesome. But first... We have to uh, tell people about 
our international subscribers. We do, but a lot of these subscribers are, are, well, they're for the newsletter, right? We've got so many people that are, are, are joining for the newsletter, mm-hmm. joining for the newsletter. That didn't make sense. Um, but they're joining up for the newsletter because I put on there all the dates of all the Zooms that we're doing. I think I just put out a coupon. Didn't we just put out a 10% off coupon on the last newsletter? Mm-hmm. So, But we have a lot of people signing up for the newsletter from all the Zoom calls and stuff. So it's really, really cool. Um, and not just our Zoom calls. We're also teaching for other groups. So that's pretty neat. We've got so many this time, though we also didn't record last week. True. So we wouldn't have had this many um, tonight. But um, So we split them up. So if you've signed up for the newsletter and don't hear your name this time around, next show will get you. If you live in Europe. Wow. Yeah. We're going to get you next time. <laughs> A lot of Europe's next time. But the, for this time, oh, sorry. Now, see, see, now I'm pissed off France. Because our first person is Bobby's Dick from France. Yes, but they joined up like three weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> They've well, been waiting. Okay, They've been waiting for their shout out. So, And then we have Wayne from good old Columbus, local. Heidi from Washington. X from California. Riley from Oklahoma. James from Ohio. Trevere from Virginia. Trevere, really? You haven't been on the... On the <laughs> we've known Trevere for years and years and years. Trevere has presented for us. So yep. new to the newsletter. Um, Eileen from New Jersey. Angela from Sydney, Australia. Tracy from Keeping It Weird in Austin. Nice. I love Austin. And Sarah from Wales. Don is Wales actually in Europe? The UK, yes. Ah, see? So we do have a couple of... Uh, Somebody taught us that. And, yes. Uh, Angela from Sydney. There used to be a erotic... Australia gets an erotic awakening fet life group. I think there still is a group. I check it every now and then. So not much action, not much action on it right now. The person that was totally involved with that, I think they moved to the other side of do they call it the island or the country or country, yes. <laughs> So, and then you and I, we're actually thinking of going to New Zealand in 2022 and thought we could hop, skip, and jump over to Australia, and, and then we looked at the globe. No, 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 no. You're, <laughs> you're, New Zealand to Australia is not a terrible hop, skip. Really? I was going to go to India and skip oh, over to okay. Australia. All right. That, and by the way, not a great time to go to India. No, so I hear. I'm sorry. All right, Dawn, tell me the secret to adding a non-sexual house slave. The secret to adding a non-sexual house slave. Now, I don't know if they are talking about a move-in slave, or I don't know if they're talking about... um, was. Would you consider Bat a house slave? Yeah. No, but she did a lot around the house and didn't live with us. And she wasn't sexual. True, and she was ours, but... Still wouldn't consider her I a house slave. I don't see that as a house slave, but okay. how do you add a non-sexual... Right, how do you add a non-sexual slave to your right. relationship? So, And basically, it's just like anything else is how I would respond to that, in that you sit and you negotiate, you figure out what they want, you figure out what you want. Um, obviously, if it's a non-sexual house slave, sex is off the table. Dan has had that with a couple of of his submissives, and um, it's worked out just fine. So, again, negotiate, put things down in writing, and, again, we're, we're big components of written contracts for tools, mm-hmm. right? So you write things down as peers. You know, you're in the right headspace when you're doing this. You know what you want. And, like I said, do it as peers because otherwise the followers could fall into a, 
a following role and not even know that they're doing it. So they need to know who they are and what they want when they come to the table. Mm-hmm. Anything I, you can no, think of to perfect. add? That's cool. perfect. Um, no, I'm not going to add anything. That's perfect. Okay. So, and with any of these questions, if you guys are listening to it and you're the ones that sent these questions in and we haven't actually answered the question that you had compared to what we think you had, <laughs> let us know and we'll elaborate. All right. And then we have one more. Okay. And actually we've got 30 more, but we're only going to do right. one more this time okay. around. Apparently that's what we're doing for the next couple of podcasts. <laughs> um Super interesting question. So, this is uh, as a result of one of our Zoom calls, right? Somebody was asking. Yeah, we're going to have to. um, How do you get to the point where if you're on one of these average poly dates to getting to the kind of conversation that you're really actually talking about? This, uh, what they're using the term radical candor, really opening up. Oh, because they hear us on our Zoom calls and they hear how open you and I are with each other and what we share with our partners Mm -hmm. and things like that. And they're wanting to know, if I'm deciphering this right, translating it right, they're wanting to know how to get to that level of candor, right? So Mm -hmm. exactly what you were just saying. And um, honestly, God, I hate this answer, but it's going to be different for everyone in that... I have a relationship with Dan where he knows absolutely everything about me, all my memories. I come with past baggage, so he he knows all of this. Whereas one of my poly partners knows a bit about that. And I and I know this is doesn't necessarily the question, but it is as well. And then I have a third poly partner that only has a tip of the iceberg. They know there's baggage. I haven't shared the stories. They haven't seemed interested. So sometimes I share little blips. Sometimes I don't. Which can feel like I'm holding a secret sometimes. That's why I bring that up. All right. I heard a completely different question. Did you? What I heard was I'm going on a poly date. I'm going on a date with someone. Okay. It doesn't even have to be a poly date, but I'm going on a date with somebody. How oh, do you get there was the, the word date in there. Sorry. Go ahead. How do you get that conversation to that to a level beyond this Small talk. Small talk. Mm. And here is what I do. I um, bring a writing utensil and a piece of paper. You do. You like your props and drawings. I do like my props. Yes. And I'll ask the other person a question. And then I'll tell them it's their turn to ask a question. And this allows you to drive that. And what happens is while you're having these questions go back and forth, here's the reason for this little piece of paper, is because you'll make notes. I make notes along the way. I say, oh, that reminds me of something that I want to talk about. And I'll write down that other thing that I want to talk about, but not lose the flow of the questioning going back and forth. And if you can get that person to, to engage in that questioning back and forth, what you've done is you've created this sense of, of investigation into each other, not rude investigation, like I'm trying to ferret out your secrets, but um, gentle curiosity about each other. And as these questions go back and forth, you, your job is to remain completely vulnerable and open to those questions. And what, and 
shut the fuck up when the other person's talking. Because what will happen is if you give someone some space, they'll become willing to share a little bit more, a little bit more. So you let them finish and then respond. And don't sit there and think about, I tell you, I, and I'm like, geez, I shouldn't give away this big secret to how I get chicks sort of thing, <laughs> right? But the, the reality is be attentive and listen and be interested in what the person's saying, not what you're going to say, not, what you're, not your story. That's why the little piece of paper's there. If you have a great story that you want to share, you write, just write yourself these two, three words and say, no, please continue. See, I, I just made myself a little note, but please, I want to hear what you have to say. See, I, I like that, but I also like when they respond. I don't want someone to just sit there and listen. It's got to be a back and forth. Sure. So if I'm going to be vulnerable... I want them to share something vulnerable as well. Otherwise, it's not an exchange, and I'm not going to be as invested in being vulnerable. I don't care for myself. Yeah? Because the more I care about leading the conversation and getting them to be vulnerable, it feels like the less likely it is to happen. If it naturally flows that way, great. If it doesn't flow that way, then... Reality is I'm not a connect I'm not going to connect with that person. I'm but not you but you yes, are yes. very good at being vulnerable. Yes, yes. Most guys I date are not, but they're really good at asking me questions to get me being vulnerable. Which means I feel like I'm on the spot and they're not sharing. And I end up clamping clamming up. Sure. It is not going to work for me if they can't be vulnerable as well. And for some reason it feels more difficult for most guys in my experience, to do that. Now, um, that doesn't mean you're being a quote-unquote nice guy, right? That, oh, nice guys never get laid. Nice guys never get the girl. Oh, my God. I've been hearing that so much lately. That's not what I talk about when I talk about being vulnerable. Mm -mm. I am still, the reason I am vulnerable is because I am self-confident. Yes. Self-confidence allows you to be vulnerable, right? I can talk about time sex didn't work out or how stinky my farts are or whatever <laughs> because I don't care about your judgment of me because it doesn't really matter. If we're going to connect or we're not going to connect. If we don't connect, who really gives a poop? Mm-hmm. So I hear you. I hear you. So Do you want to talk about your nice guy story? If I share oh, fake nice guy story. So, and I'm sure, I bet you I have mentioned this on the show before, but I got another one, and and basically, it's the fake nice guy. They write you, and this, this one was on FET. It's happened on Face before and a few other places. They write me, and, oh, how hot I am and how sexy I am, and they want to meet up with me and stuff like this. And I'll go, great, I would love to meet up with you. So, you know, where are you from? What do you like? Crickets. The next email, oh, you're so hot, you're so hot. And I'm like, okay, thank you, but what are you looking for? What are you doing? You know, things like that. Crickets, I get no answer. And then it's, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, when can we meet? Here's my number. I'd like to hear your voice. You know, things like that. And it's like, man, something just doesn't feel right. But I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? I'm in the dating pool again. I would like to meet some people. So, you know, if I brush everybody off because they sound a little odd, then I'm going to really be missing out. 
So I give him the benefit of the doubt again, and I ask him some more questions. You know, hey, do we know any of the same people? You're up north. I know people up north. What events have you gone to? Just a little bit of vetting, and um, which we were also going to talk about. And nothing. And then it's like, when are we meeting? And I'm like, you know, I don't think we're a match. Have fun on your journey. Just something nice, short. Not attacking, not judging, just I don't think we're a match. And they go ballistic. So at that point, I am a fat bitch that's not worth their time. And um, because I'm an author, I think I'm better than everybody else and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, you just earned yourself a block. Block. It's funny because people say, I just I was just talking to um, I told this story to Kat the other day. Oh, I bet she's had some too, and I know some of our other local friends have. And she was like, "You know what else I don't understand is ghosting. Why do people do ghosting?" And suddenly I'm like, "Well, now I understand why people do ghosting." I would ghost him in a heartbeat if that would but get him. Would, if this happens to you three or four more times, will you start ghosting people instead of explaining, "Hey, we're not a match"? Yes. See. Yes, I would quietly just block, done, disappeared, because I don't want to put up with the backlash of somebody's ego being hurt. And basically what I have figured out is they were trying to manipulate me at the beginning by telling me how hot I was, but not really wanting to answer any questions and develop any sort of rapport, right? So they're trying to manipulate me, and I find this with some of my larger friends that because some guy has, you know, reached out to this person, um, that that person should feel grateful that anybody has reached out to them because, you know, whatever reason. And then when that person sticks up for themselves and says, no, boom, you know, well, you weren't worth my time anyway, and blah, blah, blah. So now they're trying to manipulate again by pushing buttons and mm-hmm. trying to hurt somebody's feelings. And it's just oh, so frustrating. But yes, I can absolutely see ghosting. If, if you've experienced this a lot, it is much easier to just block and walk away than to deal with the backlash because that pumps up my adrenaline. I mean, you can hear just a little bit of it now. It just pumps up my adrenaline, which means they succeeded and I don't want them to succeed. But this is great because this really leads into um, <clears throat> a question that somebody posted from Twitter Mm -hmm. about how do you vet people. And I really wasn't thinking about it in this. I tried to vet this person. I went to their mutual friends, right, and saw that even though we had 20 mutual friends, and I've got a lot on mine because I accept everybody, Mm -hmm. um, we had 20 mutual friends. Only two of them I actually knew. So I asked him, I know these two people. Have you actually met them? He never answered me. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, I see you're up in Cleveland. Have you ever been to the Cleveland group? Crickets. Hey, I'm, you know, so I'm trying to vet him. I'm trying to. So, and, um, so vetting for me, some people use vetting to mean something different. This is vetting for me. If mm-hmm. I was going to have, when I had the spiritual group at yeah. the house many, many years ago, I, before you were invited to my house for the spiritual group, I had to meet you in person. Yep. Once, maybe twice, if things felt a little bit odd, maybe three times, so before I would let you into my house. And to me, that is vetting. I had someone that was pissed off about it. I'm like, 
I'm inviting you into my home and you pissed off about it. Red flag, bye bye. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is vetting. But and that's a common, common enough um, occurrence that we still currently see. And I'm speaking pre-COVID is that before you can go to this particular meeting mm-hmm. or this particular play party, meet me at meet me in public first at a munch or right. some kind of a gathering. Right now. Um, Unfortunately, I'm also hearing the word vetting in some power exchange groups where they actually mean consideration. So Mm. for relationships. So people will say, oh, well, I know my master won't do this if, you know, someone's like, well, what if your master asked you to do this? And the response is, well, my master wouldn't ask me to do that because I figured that out during the vetting process. That's a little different word for me because vetting is more about making sure the person yeah. knows people and isn't dangerous and blah, blah, blah. That is a legitimate English use of the word vetting. We talk, we use the terminology of interviewing. Yes. For that and vetting for more group dynamic or um, checking a person out that you don't know, not somebody who's particular, you know, uh, considering a power exchange relationships per se, but I guess it works either way. Yeah. So in your vetting process, one of your vetting things is to ask the person questions and they don't answer direct questions. So you just didn't follow your own vetting process. I didn't follow my own vetting process? Yes. I blocked them. After they called you a crazy bitch. Mm, that is true, but I already said no. They didn't call me, call me a crazy oh, bitch gotcha. until I said no. Gotcha. So, okay. Yes. Yeah, so I tried to vet and then said, we're not going to be a match. And then they went nuts. And then I blocked them. Very cool. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Okay. Um, wow. We actually had a lot to talk about. That's And we have cool. stuff that we're going to roll over to our next. Oh, but you know what? Yes, yes. I wanted to mention something that happened that was really cool today. Go on. This morning, I've been using Focusmate mm-hmm. to stay focused. Right? So, and if you guys don't know what that is, it's a, Dan turned me on to this and now it's become a lifestyle. So it's a focusmate.com and they don't, uh, they don't sponsor us or anything and don't know that I'm saying this, but I use them. And what it is, is they'll match me up with another person. We say, hello, what project are you working on? Great. Good luck. We go on mute. The alarm goes off after 50 minutes. We check back in. Hey, did you succeed with what your goal was? Great. Have a great day. Move on to the next the next session if you want to. And this morning I had someone that I'm like, hey, great, what are you working on? Oh, Indian cinema. Damn, that's awesome. Was the person in India? I don't know if they were in okay. India, right. but um, I never ask people where they're from. That sounds kind of creepy. Yes. So, uh, you know, so they were saying that and they're like, so what are you working on? And I'm like, well, actually, um, I'm working on notes for a Zoom call tonight. And they're like, well, what are you teaching? And I'm like, well, I teach about alternative love styles and relationships. So I'm teaching about polyamory. She's like, I'm polyamorous. So that turned into this little conversation that I don't usually do with people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't say exactly what it is that I'm going to be doing but um, I did with her. It felt right. 
And um, I ended up showing her the book, the polyamory toolkit. So at the end, when we checked in, I'm like, so you're polyamorous? Look, here's the book that we just did. And I showed it to her and she's like, I've heard about that (laughs) on Instagram. My friends have been talking about it. And I'm like, cool. Well, that's that's just really neat. That is neat. So real quick, we do have some tentacles to talk about. We do. So Brooklyn and and Sam Wall sent me pictures of a tentacle wine decanter. It's really cool looking too. So, and then Andy sent us some commissioned art with tentacles, and that was really hot, too. And although nobody sent any food on boobs, I did spill some chili on my tit while I was camping. (laughs) (laughs) Take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or just tell your friends. If you like what we're doing... Head over to patreon.com slash eroticawakening <laughs> to take a look at the options like discounted stuff, extra content, and more. So we do have a um, Zoom chat coming up with our Patreon supporters, and it is actually going to be on how to support your submissive that comes from a traumatic background. Ooh. Yeah, that was going to be deep, but it was requested by our Patreon supporters after my uh, Zoom calls. So... Bye, Dan. Bye, Don.